Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 195 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is the creator of Cucumber and co-founder of Cucumber Limited. He is a co-author of the Cucumber book and was an early adopter of extreme programming and business-driven development. He has worked as a programmer, software architect, business owner and trainer in a variety of industries including finance, telecom and retail. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Azlak Helisoy. Hello, thanks for having me, Phil. No, you're welcome. And um, I'd like to maybe begin um, by asking you a little bit about your involvement with Cucumber and, and how that all started. We have to rewind back to 2003, when I had just joined a consulting company called ThoughtWorks in London, where... This was a very exciting time at ThoughtWorks. There was a lot of very innovative and very bright people working there that I became to know. And and I learned an awful lot from these people and also from from people who were sort of part of that community who went to the extreme Tuesday Club, which is a weekly gathering at a pub. And one of the things that I got interested in very quickly was test-driven development, where you write the tests first, and then you let that guide your design and your implementation. And one of my colleagues, Dan North, he had been teaching this to, you know, trying to teach test-driven development to, to developers and found that it was really hard to teach. So he thought about this a lot. And he, he came to the conclusion that the reason why people don't quite get TDD is because of the word test, because it really isn't about testing. It's about it's about design and discovery and so on. So he came up with a twist on test-driven development that he coined behavior-driven development. And then he worked with Chris Matz and Liz Keogh and Chris Stevenson and a bunch of other people. And I was also part of this, this group. So Chris Matz came, they, they came up with this given when then way of, of expressing acceptance tests that you were supposed to write before the implementation. And the idea was uh, was to try and involve the non-technical stakeholders in the formulation of those acceptance tests using natural language. So this is back in 2003. And Dan wrote the first implementation of a tool that, that supported this, this twist on TDD called JBehave. And then there was a bunch of other tools that were at a very experimental stage. And... I was part of an open source community a few years later where, where this experimentation was still going on. This other tool is called RSpec, which is really a, a unit testing tool. It's like JUnit for, for, for Ruby. Where this experimentation continued, I worked with uh, David Shalimsky, who was, who was running that project, who came up with, with this given when then implementation in Ruby. And it didn't feel quite right. So... And I've been playing around with three, four of these experimental implementations of it, and I decided to create my own. 
taking all of the good bits from all of the experimental versions and, and adding some new things to it. And one day I was with my girlfriend at the time, who's, who's now my wife, we were sitting on a bus and I had some code that I'd written and I just needed to give it a name because I wanted to open source it. And so I, so I asked her, what I, I'm writing this tool. Can I need a name for it. What should I call it? And she, she looked up from a book and said, I think you should call it cucumber. (laughs) 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 Which was just a random, random word that popped into her, her mind, I guess. And I named it that, and I was going to rename it later, but uh, I I couldn't come up with a better name. So that's, that's how it uh, it stuck. Indeed. Um, (laughs) Yes. So so this was in 2008. So five years after I, after I sort of initially got exposed to this BDD, movement uh, so it took five years of, of experimentation and um for the community's thoughts to to mature before cucumber was born so i didn't really invent much of this stuff you know i just took the good ideas that other people had and, and implemented them a, li- a little bit better because it must have struck a chord the, the rails community which was um quite new at that time just took it and ran with it and that's how it became very popular yeah so when you got to 2013, you started Cucumber as a company? Yeah, that's right. When I created Cucumber in 2008, there was a, a bunch of people who who joined the open source community and and helped improve it. There must have been dozens of people who, who contributed code. And, and during the first five years, I, I worked for other companies. This was, I left ThoughtWorks uh, by that time, but in 2013, I worked for a trading company. I didn't really like that domain. You know, finance was not, never really my thing. So in the evening, I was toying with Cucumber, and it, it had grown quite big by then. And Matt Wynn and Julian Beesmans, who who were the, the most prolific contributors to Cucumber at that time, we, we got together and decided to form a company because – we thought that because of the mind share that the tool had now, we, we could figure out a way to, to make money off of it uh, while keeping it open source. Right. And obviously more recently, um, and very recently indeed, the, you have news about the future of Cucumber. So when we started Cucumber in 2013, we didn't take any, any VC money. We wanted to keep control over the company to ourselves and we grew organically over the next five years to 10 employees and what we had as our main revenue was uh, was training we uh, we went around the world primarily in europe and the united states and trained a lot of people hundreds probably thousands of people in various organizations and while we were doing this uh, this was kind of detracting from the original strategy of the company which was to build a commercial tool on top of Cucumber that we could sell as a, as a SaaS. And because we were small and because we didn't have funding, it was quite difficult to, to get to the productivity level that we wanted to. So we were approached by, well, we had been approached by, by several investors that we had turned down, but then we were approached by, by SmartBear, which is a company based in Boston that has a number of test-related tools in their portfolio. And 
yeah, we talked to them for about six months. It was a, an extended dating period <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> before we realized that this is a really, really good match. They, we have aligned strategies. They've got an amazing sales and marketing uh, and IT organization that could help us realize the, you know, what we've always wanted to do, but just didn't have the capacity to. So SmartBear acquired Cucumber in June 2019, uh, about a month ago as we speak. So that's very, very exciting for us. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. So Asa, can you perhaps share with us a career tip, uh, maybe one that the audience doesn't know and should? I can only share what's worked particularly well for me. I built my career on open source. I became an early contributor to open source back in, I think it was around 2000 when open source was a word that very few people knew about. And the great thing about open source is, is that, well, if you, at least if you like programming, you, you get to play with exactly what you want, uh, not just what your employer tells you to do. And it's a great way to, to learn new technologies. It's a great way to learn from others who, whether you are joining an existing open source community or, or you create your own. So it's just a great way to expand your network, uh, learn new things and, and have fun at the same time. I guess I've been, I've been quite lucky in you know, meeting the right people and, and managing to, to use the insight I got from them to, to build tools that a lot of people find useful. But even if you don't, even if nobody ends up using your open source tool, it's still a really good way to, to study and learn and, and evolve as a programmer. Sure. And you obviously met a lot of people by doing that as well, made a lot of contacts. Yes. And um, I guess also what I should mention is go and speak at conferences. So when I was brand new at this stuff, I was encouraged by, by some of my colleagues that, hey, you should, I think we, what you've created here is, is quite interesting. You should go and tell people about it. So I submitted some proposals for conferences. And that was really intimidating in the beginning, right? Because you're standing there in an auditorium and you're speaking after some celebrity uh, <laughs> and you're just yes. scared of making a fool of, of yourself. And I made, I made a pretty bad fool of myself uh, on many occasions. But, but every time <laughs> I've, um, I've grown as a person uh, and as a speaker and, and, and that's also something that's, you know, people come up to you and, and um, they say, you know, chill out. You know, that, that, that's, yeah. that wasn't as bad as you thought. <laughs> exactly. So I think one thing to remember about that, of course, is the people you think of as celebrities and experts, they were once in the same position as you. They'd never stood in front of an audience and given a speech. And they probably felt in exactly the same, the same mindset when they finished. Yeah. And, you know, now that I've been doing this for 20 years, I know – I know a few of the of the big celebrities uh, that sell hundreds of thousands of books and so on. And, you know, they've told me that, you know, they've been doing this for 30 odd years now and and they still get nervous when they go on stage, you know. And, and I guess if you ask any any musician as well who do, does this as a career, a professional career, you know, it's normal to be nervous when you're on the stage. It's good. It puts you a bit on edge. So even, even if you've never done this before, that's absolutely normal. Just do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Asa, can you share with us perhaps your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? I've had so many worst IT <laughs> career moments. 
Anything stand out? Well, there's something that they most of them have in common. Right. And that's when you're in an environment where where there's a lack of transparency and a lack of trust. Where, you know, I recently worked a place where where the business people didn't really speak to or respect the IT people and they would throw unreasonable deadlines at them and and people would just work long hours and get demotivated and and eventually people would just get burnt out and, and leave. The first time I had this experience was when I was quite at the beginning of my career, we'd been working for a for a finance company, building some new uh well it doesn't matter. We we were building we were building some tools for people to manage their, their wealth portfolio. And this was before Agile. And yeah, we've been working on this thing for six months and we were telling the the project manager that hey, you know, we're not, never gonna meet that deadline. <laughs> and he never told the client. He just said, Well, just work harder. And when the deadline came, nothing was working. And everybody started yelling at each other and the, the project manager was sacked. I, I guess that, that was the only good good part of that story. Um, <laughs> but, <Yes. laughs> but it was just a really demotivating thing, right? And and it all boiled down to lack of transparency and a lack of trust. And I think you will find that as a root cause of, of, of most terrible career moments in, in IT and I'm sure other professions as well. So you know, communication is obviously a key part of that, isn't it? And and obviously the other thing the project manager didn't do, presumably was manage the expectation of the end client. And therefore, it all came as a massive failure at the end. Yeah, exactly. And and I've, I had this experience several times. And, and it's actually what made me interested in the whole behavior-driven development movement, because that's it isn't just about testing. It is also about communication and um, transparency. You know, it's, it's got more to it than the purely technical aspects. Okay, so moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? I think actually that's what what, what happened uh, a month ago when we sold the company that we had spent five years building and growing. I think that is my, um, my IT career highlight. Of course, it remains to see how well that pans out because we're only one month into it, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that it's going to be great for for the company and, and for, for the open source community because now we can spend more time building and evolving Cucumber and also for customers and, and users will have a better product. But yeah, I think that's that's my highlight for sure. Sure. One thing we didn't discuss earlier though was um, obviously with the, with this, the sale and the acquisition, I presume you're, you're continuing your involvement with Cucumber and with the development. Yeah, I'm, I couldn't be happier. Now, now I'm just... I'm coding all day long. You know, I don't have to do any of that business stuff anymore. I don't have to do sales. I don't have to do, uh, well, I do a bit of marketing, uh, but that's sort of like the, the sort of marketing that goes with open source. Um, I don't have to do finance. I don't have to travel. I can just focus on what I uh, what I love and what I'm good at. And I think being being happy at work is, is so important. I, I was, it was great running a startup, don't, don't get me wrong, but it, it was also in, in, incredibly stressful. What I like about what's happened uh, is that I'll, I, I can just spend more time with my family and, and not stress so much. Okay, 
So, Aslan, what excites you about the future of the industry and careers in IT? To be honest, I'm not sure I'm that excited. I'm a little bit scared, actually, of of the future. So, so I'm a programmer. I love to tinker and and and, and play with stuff, but but I also I also worry about how software and IT is going to change the world. I worry about surveillance. I worry about AI. Yeah, I know there's a lot of good things in AI, but uh, you know, there's also some. Uh, if this isn't handled properly by by governments and the organisations behind it, it can also be quite a terrible thing. So, so, so I'm, I'm worried about that. Now, you are <laughs> that wasn't really your question. What am I? What am I excited about? I guess you know, if you like software development, I think software being a software developer is is going to be a pretty safe job choice you know the computers aren't going yes. to be writing code anytime soon i think there's going to be a growing need for software developers so, so and you know at least that's that's exciting and um yes but but i don't really know what's going to happen uh, i wish i had a crystal ball sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very true um obviously you've made an interesting point about about the use of technology as opposed to the uh sort of the advancement so obviously anything can be used for good purposes or bad purposes so yeah i suppose it's more about that isn't it and what are the controls that are going to be in place around it particularly as you say from a sort of governments and and so forth and international boundaries and so forth we're going to go into the reveal round now we're going to find a little bit more about you and the way you think you ready for this yeah so what first attracted you to a career in it the fact that i got a job I studied in France. I'm from Norway originally. I studied in France. I was studying to become a mechanical engineer. And uh, I failed my exams in the second year of my studies and had to do the whole second year again. And this is when the internet, the World Wide Web, sort of took off. It was back in 1993, 94, something like that. Uh, So I kind of just like stumbled upon it. And then I thought it was intriguing. And I... And then I landed a job, even though I was completely unqualified and didn't have good uh, good marks. I landed a job in a big consultancy and was exposed to waterfall. That was horrible. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't I didn't know there was any other way. So I guess I wasn't particularly attracted to IT. You know, I, I sort of like just fell into it by by accident uh, in my studies. I did think it was going to change the world, though. I understood that much back in '92. You know, this internet thing—that's really going to break down communication barriers and, and, and open up so many different commercial opportunities and so on. So, I, you know, I think it was the novelty about it that that attracted me originally. I think. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? I think that is to get a mentor, somebody who's more experienced than you somebody who is willing to spend some time with you regularly to give you advice um, on what you should do next. Because when you're new at something, you, you don't know what you don't know. Having somebody show you, show you the right path or a path is an advice I got very early, and that's something that I've always, always tried to have. I think it's um, a good thing. It doesn't really matter where you are in your career to have a mentor. Um, there's always somebody who's far more or more experienced than you and can give you uh, useful feedback and encouragement and help in your career as well. 
Yeah. If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? I would learn functional programming languages. I did learn them at school, but I was never really exposed to them in my professional career. I played around with them, but it appears to me that there are so many there are so many things that are just better with with functional programming than with traditional uh, procedural programming. I would have studied that more and, and, and used it more in my work. And I think I might know the answer to this, but I'll ask it. Uh, what career objectives are you currently focusing on? I'm focusing on doing all of the exciting things that I've been wanting to do with Cucumber that I just haven't had the capacity to do. Well, we could go into details about features, but it, it's, it's about taking Cucumber, which is a very popular tool, but has suffered a bit from lack of, of maintenance to do what I've been wanting to do for five years. Yes. <laughs> and I'll finally have time to do. And, and also, I, I must mention, it, uh, since we joined uh, SmartBear, you know, there's going to be uh, a full-time team of, of three people working on it, which, which is unprecedented. Yes, so. indeed, yeah. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Listening to other people. Yes. Very underrated. And asking the right questions. And what do you do to keep your own career energised? I always try to learn new things, new techniques, new languages, new frameworks, new platforms, new databases. I'm particularly interested in something called CRDTs at the moment. Convergent Replicated Data Types or Commutative Replicated Data Types, which is the technology underpinning collaborate, uh, real-time collaboration on the internet. But yeah, to just learn, 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 study, study, study. There's always something new to learn that's fun and that will evolve your career. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I have two young daughters, three and six, so... As you can imagine, that takes a chunk of my time. Yeah, I'm sure. I play five-a-side football. I love to cook. But, yeah, I don't really have that much time. I'm going to see a concert today in Hyde Park. Oh, right. <laughs> that should be fun. The weather's good as well. Yeah, yeah. Bob Dylan and Neil Young. That's going to be great. Yeah, no, yeah it's, I'm a... Yeah, I'm, I'm, my family is just taking all of my time at the moment. Like to, we love to travel, love to travel. Yeah, we're we're yeah. an international family, American and Norwegian living in England. So uh, a lot of time going back and seeing family. And as I can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? When you go for lunch, go and invite somebody who you're not working with on a regular basis. Maybe... Or maybe somebody you're working with but that, that you don't know very well, sit down and have lunch with them. Preferably somebody who isn't doing the same thing as you. So if, yes. you're, you know, if you're a programmer, go and sit down with somebody who works in the product department and learn about what they care about and what they worry about. Um, that, will, that will help you really understand the business that you're working for and make you a better programmer because you can't be a good programmer 
or an IT person if you don't understand the problems and the domain of the business. Yes, that's very good. Yep. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? I have a Twitter account, Aslak underscore Pelosoy. I have a GitHub account as well, which is the same, but without the underscore. Yep. I sometimes go and speak at conferences, although I don't know how you find out which ones I speak to. I do. I don't really have a maintained blog anymore because I just didn't have time. Twitter and GitHub is really <laughs> probably the best best place to follow what I'm doing. Azak, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks a lot, Phil. Uh, it's been an honor to be here. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. A quick thank you again to my guest on today's show for sharing their career tips, advice, and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. Now that there are three new episodes of the show every week, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss out. And don't forget to join the new IT Career Energizer community group in Facebook. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be great to hear from you and to learn about your own career journey, your successes, opinions, and thoughts on the future of the industry. Thanks for supporting the show. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.